0: Good morning and welcome to T-Talks. My name is Glenda Thomas and I'm the ministry leader and today I want to talk about um, staying in the journey. It's not uncommon to be asked during a job interview, where do you see yourself in five years? And most of us will have a ready answer because we are typically eager to get to the next thing or the next best thing and it's okay to set our sights on things ahead, things that are above, to press towards the mark. However, fair observation of our lives looks not just at where we want to see ourselves in the future, but sometimes looking back and considering where we've come from can also be good for the soul. So I began to look back, to really think about and to evaluate a time in my own life where I would say my life was good, where I would say my children and my grandchildren were well, I was now more than half century in age and had arrived alive in better health than many my own age. I worked for a prestigious engineering firm, I lived in a beautiful 4-bedroom home in an upscale subdivision situated in a beautiful canopy of trees of what was once a thriving farm. I had married again, what I believed was the love of my life and would be for the rest of my life. I was financially stable and blessed to have and enjoy a six-figure combined income. I ate what I wanted to eat, when I wanted I drove what I wanted, where I wanted to go, and whenever I wanted to go. I entertained friends in my home on a regular basis. I had successfully completed the writing of my first book and obtained my dream of becoming a published author. Ministry was easy and serving others was my joy. I was most blessed and highly favored. As I reflected on this time in my life indeed my life was good until one day it all fell apart. But the journey wasn't over. I believe God is going to help us and it is my prayer and my hope that he will help us to gain a better understanding of our journey in this life and to gain a greater appreciation of how God strategically uses each part of the journey to prepare us and to bring us into the fullness of His promises. We are all on a life journey. We may not all be in the same places in the journey or moving at the same pace, but we are all on a journey. First Chronicles 29 and 15 says, We are only foreigners, sojourners living here on earth for a while, just as our ancestors were, and we will soon be gone like a shadow that suddenly disappears. Journey means a traveling from one place to another, a passage or progress from one stage to another, to set forward, to go, or to proceed, The common mistakes that most of us make, and it relates to the journey of life, is that when the direction of travel changes, we lose heart and too often we want to turn back. But we have to understand, even when God has anointed us and appointed us to do great exploits in the earth. It is oftentimes best achieved and greater established through the process of the journey that he uses to get us there. David didn't become the king on the day he was anointed. Esther didn't become the queen on the day she arrived at the palace. Joseph didn't become governor the same day he was sold into slavery. No, no, no. They each had to take the journey through the stages of preparation and the process of God in order to get there. One of the greatest life lessons we can learn about life is that life itself is a journey. And although the journey may start out one way, we are all subject to directional changes that can leave us bewildered by what God said as well as about who God is and cause us to begin to doubt God altogether. It is this subtle, did God really say, attempt of the enemy that I want to expose today and reassure you that God has not forgotten you. He knows just where you are in the journey. And he is strategically using every part of your journey to prepare you, to bring you into what he has promised you, and to show forth his glory in and through your life. As I've already said, I lived a good life. I was living my version of an abundant life. I was living my version of a life of prosperity until the bottom fell out. The love of my life well quite frankly was loving on someone else. I went from living in a 2200 square foot four-bedroom dream home to a two-bedroom townhouse struggling to keep a roof over my head. My job was phased out during the company buyout. I went from a six-figure income to no income. I was in and out of the hospital with unexplained illness, fighting for my life, fighting for my sanity, and in general, fighting just to survive. The book promotions stalled out. Ministry just didn't seem right anymore. I didn't always have food to eat. I lost my only means of transportation. I began to feel that instead of being blessed, everything, including myself, had become a complete mess. So what do we do? When we experience directional change in our journey, what do we do when the very thing we were heading towards is no longer in view or is no longer in reach? What do we do when we encounter potholes, pitfalls, and speed bumps along the pathway of our journey? What do we do when we are ambushed from every side? What do we do when everything we thought would have happened or everything we thought could have happened or should have happened didn't? What do we do when it looks like God has changed his mind about our direction and about us? What do we do? I'm really glad you've asked these questions and I believe we can find an answer in the Word of God for each of those questions that will cause us to not only understand but to have the right response to God in our actions and in our attitude and to be able to move from striving in our journeys to thriving in our journey. As a focus of scripture I want to look at the book of Exodus. The entire book of Exodus is relevant to this discussion so please go back and read it through but for the sake of time Let me give the highlights. The new king in that day feared being overtaken by the Israelites and takes them into captivity. He ordered the death of all male-born babies, but Moses escapes, and he later is sent to command the king to let the people go. The king refuses, and Egypt is visited by plagues. The king finally lets the people go to later change his mind. Pharaoh and his army pursues after them. God provides a protective covering over them, cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. The Red Sea is divided. They cross through the Red Sea on dry ground and Pharaoh and his army are drowned. When my life was hit with an unexpected directional change. I didn't know where I was going or how I was was going to get there, but I knew I had to keep it moving. I knew I had to stay in the journey. I had to immediately decide some things. I didn't know altogether why the bottom had fallen out in my life, and I certainly couldn't understand why it had happened at a most inopportune time, but I began to think about the Exodus of the Israelites. And I realized that if God could bring them out of captivity, bring them through the Red Sea, and bring them into the Promised Land, He could and He would do the same thing for me. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have in mind for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for peace and not disaster, to give you a future filled with hope. The Message Bible reads this way. I'll show up and take care of you as I promised and bring you back home. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. So instead of focusing on what I couldn't control, I stayed focused on the one who was in control. I began to trust God to be my trip advisor. I settled in and just began to enjoy the journey. When the Israelites began their exodus out of Egypt, all they expected to see before them was the Promised Land. But the journey was not that simple. When we set out on our journey in life, all we expect to see before us is what God has promised us. But the journey is not always that simple. Why? Because God does not desire to bring us into the promise without first bringing us into a deeper relationship with Him. So He chooses to use our journey to demonstrate His power, His love, His faithfulness, His glory, His mercy, and His grace. There are five travel tips I vicariously learned through the exodus of the Israelites that has helped me tremendously in my journey that I believe will help you in your journey as well. Tip number one. When God says it's time to go, obey, don't delay. When God says it's time to go, obey, don't delay. Exodus 13:31 through 33 says, During the night the king sent for Moses and Aaron and told them, Get your people out of my country and leave us alone. Go and worship the Lord as you have asked. Take your sheep, goats, and cattle and get out, but ask your God to be kind to me. The Egyptians did everything they could to get the Israelites to leave their country fast. They said, please hurry and leave. When deliverance was at hand, the Israelites obeyed, got their stuff, and got up out of there. If it's God's plan, and when it's God's timing, get up, get your stuff, and get up out of there. He will make provision for your journey. You may have to leave familiar, and you may have to leave comfortable, but what's in store is far greater than what's left behind. God says it's time to go. Obey. Don't delay. Tip number two. There are no shortcuts in the journey. There are no shortcuts. Exodus 13:17 through 18 says After the king had finally let the people go, the Lord did not lead them through Philistine territory, though that was the shortest way. God had said if they are attacked, They may decide to return to Egypt, so he led them around through the desert and towards the Red Sea. The journey is intended to teach us of his faithfulness and his credibility. The journey is intended to build our character. Anytime God has a plan to promote us, it is always proceeded with his process to prepare us, and he won't take any shortcuts here. Stop looking for a shortcut. There are no shortcuts in the journey. Tip number three. Stay under the covering of the cloud and the fire. Exodus 13, 21 and 22 says during the day the Lord went ahead of His people in a thick cloud, and during the night He went ahead of them in a flaming fire. That way the Lord could lead them at all times, whether day or night. Sometimes in my journey, it was necessary for the Lord to put a smokescreen and a firewall around me. And like most of us, I'm inquisitive, like to know what's going on, just in case God needs my help in some way. But I had to stop worrying about the fact that I couldn't see what was going on beyond the covering of His protection, and just had to know that the cloud and the fire was intended to keep my enemies from seeing me. Psalms 121, 5 and 8 says, The Lord is Your protector there at your right side to shade you from the Sun you won't be harmed by the Sun during the day or the moon at night the Lord will protect you and keep you safe from all dangers the Lord will protect you now and always wherever you go if we will but stay and remain under his covering he will protect us from every enemy along the journey. Stay under the covering of the cloud and the fire. It's there to protect you from your enemies. Tip number four. Don't panic when the enemy pursues. Exodus 14 verses 5 and verse 8 says when the king of Egypt heard that the Israelites had finally left he and his officials changed their minds and said Look what we have done. We let them get away, and they will no longer be our slaves. Verse 8, The Lord made the king so stubborn, he went after them. When I relocated back home, in pursuit of a fresh start, I thought for sure I had left all my troubles behind me. Like Israel, I rejoiced at being brought out of my Egypt, but it did not come without backlash. My Pharaoh pursued after me hard, but God assured me that any time I stay in the path that he has laid out for me, avoiding shortcuts, the pursuer is then guilty of trespass and he will, in due time, destroy every one of them. Exodus fourteen twenty-seven and 28 says, They tried to run away, but the Lord drowned them in the sea, they being the enemy, the pursuer, The water came and covered the chariots, the cavalry, and the whole Egyptian army that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them was left alive. Don't panic when the enemy pursues. The greatest victories I've ever won have been the greatest battles I've never had to fight. God is our victory over every enemy. Tip number five, expect high winds. Exodus 14, 21 and 22 says, Moses stretched his arm over the sea and the Lord sent a strong east wind that blew all night until there was dry land, the water where the water had been. The sea opened up and the Israelites walked through on dry land with a wall of water on each side the Israelites hit a wall of water that was completely impassable. God instructed Moses to lift up his arms and cause the winds to blow all night. Too often in the journey when we hit an impasse it's easy to get frustrated. It's easy to begin to accuse God of taking us the wrong way but an impasse is simply God's opportunity to demonstrate himself. We have to be willing to endure the high winds in order for God to cut a path for us. Moses' raised arms was a symbol of worship to me. When I felt I couldn't go in any direction, red sea before me, enemy pursuing me, I kept my arms raised up and worshiped. When the winds blew hard in the night season, I poured out my worship. When the winds were coming from every direction, I poured out my worship. And I soon came to realize God did not allow those winds to to blow, to beat against me. Those winds were surely cutting a path for me. If anything can carry us into the promises of God, it is our worship. Our worship will prevent our wandering. Now let's recap. Let me see if I can put this back together. I said that all of us are on a journey, different places, different paces, but on a journey. Sometimes in our journey, we experience a directional change. And rather than entertaining any thought that God has somehow forgotten us or changed his mind about us, it is his opportunity to demonstrate himself to us and to build character in us for the best travel we have to obey when God says without delay we have to realize that there are no shortcuts we have to stay under the covering of His protection don't panic when the enemy pursues and expects high winds. I hope that's what you heard me say. So let me try to close in this way. There are two places in life's journey that are significant markers for all of us to be aware of. The first place is Mara, the place of bitter water. Exodus 15 22 and 24 says after the Israelites left the Red Sea, Moses led them through the Shur desert for three days before finding water. They did find water at Mara, but it was bitter which is how they, how that place got its name. The people complained and said, Moses, what are we going to drink? Sometimes in the journey, we come to a place of bitter water. We have to deal with things that are hard to swallow. But that's the time to pray, not to complain. God has a remedy. Mara may be in our path of travel, but it is not the place to camp. Mara is only intended to be a place of testing. Can I trust God here? Can I, after such a celebration of deliverance, run into a brick wall and still celebrate God as victor? Can I trust the path he's chosen for me even when it challenges me? Can I, knowing that bitterness is all around me, Trust that he will give me what I need that can change bitter to sweet. Can I trust that where I am is only a part of the journey and not the final destination? Can I trust that my Elam is just ahead? The second significant marker for us to be aware of in our journey is Elam. Exodus 15 and 27 says, Later the Israelites came to Elam, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, so they camped there. Elam is the place of rest and refreshing for the weary traveler. I woke up one morning and I heard the Lord say to me, Elam is just ahead. After crossing the Red Sea, The Israelites traveled three days' journey to reach Mara. This was a distance of some 41 plus miles. Yes, they were tired and no doubt ready for refreshing. Yes, they were disappointed when they came to the place of bitter waters. But what they could not see and what they did not know was that Elam was just ahead. They had already made the longest and the hardest part of the journey, and just a little farther, only nine plus miles more. If they would just keep going, they would soon experience not just a temporary solution to sweeten bitter water, but God's best and his perpetual rest. I won't pretend to know where any of you are in your journey especially in the midst of a national pandemic whether you're enjoying the scenery along the way at this point or if you're just one more thing away from the bottom falling out but what God said to me I'm saying to you today Elam is just ahead in other words the time of rest and refreshing is closer than you think. The longest and hardest part of the journey is over. I know it may not feel like it at times, and it may not look like it at other times, but God says, trust me. What I've given you to sweeten the water at Mara was temporary. Keep moving. Elam is just ahead. He says, I'm bringing you to the place of abundant refreshing waters and rivers of life, palms to supply and sustain your every need. God says, I understand the challenges you faced at Mara, but he's got you. Keep moving. Elam, he's promised, and it's just ahead. If you trust him with all of your heart and do not faint, he will bring you into the place of promise. Many times we may feel as though we've gone the distance we can go with family and finances, careers, relationships. Many of us are feeling the impact and uncertainties that have been brought about during this pandemic. The waters can be bitter and very bitter at times. We grow tired. We grow weary. But hang on to the word of promise. Elam is just ahead. Everything is going to work out Things will work in your favor. You just need to stay in the journey. You just got to keep moving forward. Mara is the place of testing. Pass the test and move on to Elam. The place of rest and the place of refreshing. Stay in the journey. God bless you.